The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit HarvestABQ.org. Wow. I don't even know where to go from here. Please vote for me as the best dressed staff member. Okay, that's <laughs> Oh my gosh. I didn't know that was happening, y'all. Just so you know. Lisa tells me today, she goes, if people leave the church today, it will be because of her. That's what she, that's what she told me. So, oh my goodness. I, I, let me tell you, what you just observed, in my opinion, is a culmination of three uh, of our core values, okay? Core value uh, number one is we don't take life too seriously. We don't take our li- our, ourselves too seriously. Did you, did you notice that? Um, and we really do. We love having fun uh, around here. Uh, number two is we love our city. We are serious about being in a church, not just for ourselves, but for our neighbors, for our community, for the school, for all of those in our area. And that's what Trunk or Treat is really all about. And then number three is, is this value of generosity. We live with open hands. Um, I have, I, I, one of the responsibilities that I hold tightly to when it comes to Trunk or Treat is the candy buying, okay? I am the official candy buyer. And I, I just got to tell you, all I have so much fun buying candy for Trunk or Treat. I'm like ordering it online. I'm going to stores. I'm finding the right stuff. I almost always buy too much. And Lisa's like, you don't need that much. I'm like, we do. We cannot run out of candy at Trunk or Treat. We cannot. And so because of your generosity, we buy lots and lots and lots of candy. We love our city well. And so thank you uh, for your always, just you do it week in and week out, your generosity. I really do think that living with open hands is the best way to live. And I was reminded how in Malachi, the Lord actually tells us this one area where he says, just test me in this area and see what will happen. And he has two promises there. He says, I'll bless you more than you'll ever be able to contain. And number two, I'll protect you. I'll, I'll, he says, I'll prevent the pests from devouring, right? So there's, there's some blessing that comes from living with open hands. And I just think it's the best way uh, to live. Uh, yesterday, uh, I had a board meeting and uh, some of the board, remind, they, they, they actually said to me, they said, you know, Pastor, um, we talk about generosity every week, and I know a lot of people are, give online, and you put a slide up, and we tell people how they can participate. But um, after COVID, we stopped like ta- passing, uh, you know, a container to co- collect the offering, and we mounted some boxes. There's one in this hallway, one upstairs, one in the middle, and I guess a few people lately have not been able to find that bo- those boxes. If you want to give, you know, physically, and so they're out there. You can ask any of our team; we'll help you. Um, I would love to pray for you as uh, we always take a minute to just pray over this area of our lives or generosity. Would it be all right if I prayed for you this morning? So Lord, I am so thankful that we get to do things like trunk or treat. We get to love our city and we get to do that because family after family after family have chosen to live with open hands. And today I'm praying for my friends here today that tr- are trusting you in the area of their finances. And I'm just asking that the, the promises that are there in Malachi, the, the promise of blessing and the promise of protection would be on every single one of our families. And Lord, help us. Help us to represent you well and help us to be good stewards uh, of the resources that we have to expand the kingdom here in Albuquerque. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Quick question. Did anyone watch the solar eclipse yesterday? Anyone? All right. I mainly am asking you that to show you a very cute picture of my dog. Do you want to see a cute picture of my dog? My dog Cooper watched the solar eclipse yesterday. Check that out. 
Check that out. Isn't that awesome? There's also a picture of Lisa and Ava. They, they uh, watched it as well. But Cooper was the main reason that I wanted to show that to you. Hey, I do have one observation. Our, uh, our board meeting was at the Range Cafe, and we were ending just as the eclipse was kind of getting to the full. And so we quickly you know, got done, paid, ran outside. We were outside, and we, were all, we had to borrow glasses. We weren't prepared. And, and so we were passing one pair around, and we were looking. And I looked back. And across the sidewalk, the front of the restaurant, uh, just everybody, eyes to the sky. It was a, it was a really funny thing. And, and I, just, I just had this, this thought of like, what a cool moment where like all across, you know, the nation, all the eyes are to the skies, you know. And it just made me think of another time when all our eyes will be to the sky. And so I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, that was kind of cool. Um, I want to give you, I want to give you what, what I'll call an all-in update. All-in uh, was a campaign that, man, we started it a long time ago. COVID interrupted it. We restarted it, and it was really just code language for, um, hey, let's let's it, let's do some updates and some expansion so that we can do the ministries uh, uh, better uh, than we are currently doing. And so it had to do with some facility updates. And so we've been getting a bunch of stuff done, and I have some pictures because we just completed uh, the renovation of our kids' bathrooms, and I wanted to show you some pictures because you're not able most weeks to just go back there, and I should have, I should have, ah, I, I took some before pictures. If you saw the before pictures, you'd really be clapping for the after pictures because uh, these were the oldest bathrooms in the entire facility, and you could tell when you walked in, and our kids deserve better, and so thank you for your participation and all in. Man. Those look great. Those look great. Pastor Jace, next time you see him, tell him that he and his crew did just a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And then uh, I have another piece of the all-in update. Some of you know that we've had a permit in the city for a whole lot of months now. I won't even say a number. It's just more than it should be. Uh, but we are really, really close. We checked this week, and uh, we cleared. Uh, we had three departments to clear, uh, and we, had, we cleared two of the three, and and uh, just a real answer to prayer on one of them specifically. Um, I won't go into it, um, but we have one department to clear. And so because of that, we're, we're really close to getting our permit. And that first permit is going to allow us to renovate our upstairs. So you might not even know, but behind me up here and over here, we have a big upstairs area. And so we're going to be moving our offices up there so we can clear out this space down here where our offices are, create a lobby uh, and a little cafe area, a little coffee shop. Today, I saw the line of people at the, at the coffee bar, and I was like, I can't wait for a, a bigger coffee bar and a bigger lobby, and so um, we're really close. So what we're going to do is, and I know it's short notice, but you're flexible people, so next Sunday after church, we're going to have a work day, um, and so we created a sign-up to the, this week on Church Center app, and you can just let us know on there that you're coming. The main reason for you to let us know that you're coming is so we order enough pizza, okay? So the idea is, as soon as church is over, we're going to have lunch, and then we're going to change into work clothes, and we're going to go to work. We're going to demo all of the upstairs. Uh, in fact, we started this week. We got a little excited, and, and we just started. We just, in fact, oh, I should have, I'll show you later. Pastor Madison went up there, and she went to kick a hole in the drywall, and her shoe got stuck. All right, literally, it stayed in the wall, and, but we, we've been having fun, but we need your help uh, to do that, and then we also decided, because a bunch of you are going to stay and help, that we are going to pull all of the 
the tile out in this whole, um, this whole hallway that wraps around the sanctuary right here and out into the lobby and down this hallway and into the main bathrooms because we're going to go ahead and renovate both of those bathrooms and we're going to update this whole hallway. And so I really need your help next week. And my only bribe is that I'm going to give you pizza, okay? It's all I got. And so if you can uh, stay next Sunday after church, help us. It'll probably be a couple hours. We'll get it all done and uh, we'll have a blast. And by in, the, in those coming weeks, we'll get all this work done. This is going to be exciting. Are you excited to be part of what's happening at Harvest? All right. All right, there you go. So sign up and uh, let's do it. We are in a series right now called Out of the Cave, Now What? Uh, it's a series that is all about mental health and how to live in the freedom, the health, and the wholeness that God has for you. And I'm excited. Just one last announcement, but it relates to our series, is uh, this week we decided to offer a one-night seminar, and this is for parents, uh, elementary, junior high, and high school for all parents. And the seminar is going to be called Navigating Mental Health with Your Children, okay, with your kids. And so as we've been talking about this, I realize that parents often have questions around this uh, topic. And so we have a resident expert as part of our church, Clint Montgomery. And so I called him this week. I said, Clint, would you help me with this seminar? He graciously said yes. And so that's coming up November the 12th at 5 p.m. It'll be, uh, we did it during youth. So those that have youth uh, age kids, junior high and high school, your schedules will coordinate. It'll be here uh, at the church. You can sign up uh, on uh, Church Center app and let us know that you're coming. We will have childcare um, for... Uh, six weeks to fifth grade, because after fifth grade, they should be going to youth. Um, and, uh, and so I'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, and it's going to be a, a great time. It'll be about an hour and a half. And I'm just so thankful for Clint helping us to have that discussion. So during this series, we have talked a lot about uh, anxiety, overcoming uh, depression. We've given you some ideas that help as you kind of come out of the cave. We've used the cave as this, this analogy for uh, often what it feels like when we retreat into these unhealthy places. It's just, we get back in there, we isolate, and it's dark, and it's, and it's cold, and we don't know what to do. We come disoriented. And I don't think that's the life that Jesus dreams for you. Would anyone agree with me? That is not the life that Jesus dreams for you. So we've given you some ideas of what do you do to get out of the cave and to stay out of the cave. We talked about developing new pathways. This is when we really got into the science of how God created our brains and how our brains are wired and how we actually have the ability to rewire uh, our brains and create new neural pathways. Then we talked about a new perspective. And the new perspective was this, that your emotions are valid. Here's the new perspective, but they're not permanent, right? And we talked about how often your situation feels hopeless, but the new perspective is, but with God, all things are possible. There's always hope with God in the picture. And today I want to talk to you about new habits, okay? New habits. Here's what I've noticed is that pretty much everyone has a part of their life that they hope would be different, right? That you hope would change. And while hope is powerful and I think it's necessary and you definitely need it, hope alone will not change your life. You need some hope. You, you got to have some hope that there is a future that's different than the one that you're currently experiencing. And hope will, will really drive you to, to pursue 
that change. But I'll tell you what I believe will really affect change in your life is habits. I believe that when you change your habits, you change your life. I I really believe this. And here's the thing about habits is sometimes we develop habits simply by not paying attention, right? They They just become the way we do things, not because we were purposeful about doing it that way, but because we were actually not purposeful. And all of a sudden, we started doing the something the same way, the same way, the same way, and it becomes a habit. And that's that's the power of habits. You, you've probably heard this before. You've probably heard this saying that what got you here won't get you there. Has anyone, have you ever heard that? What's got you here won't get you there. And, and that's the idea of habits is that if something is going to change, you're going to have to change the way that you're living. You have to change your habits. Uh, there's an author, James Clear. He wrote a book called uh, uh, Atomic Habits. He wrote this. He said, your life today is a essentially the sum of your habits. Now, before I tell you the rest of this, some of you right now are going to really like this and others of you are going to get really depressed in just a minute when you realize that the life that you're living is the sum of your habits. He continues, he says, how in shape or out of shape are you? Don't answer that, but here's, the, here's what he says. He says, it's a result of your habits. How happy or unhappy are you? It's a result of your habits. How successful or unsuccessful are you? It's a result of your habits because what you and I repeatedly do ultimately forms the person you are, the things you believe, and the personality that you portray. So I'm here today to encourage you that maybe you find yourself tired of where you are, right? What, what, where you are, you know, what got you here won't get you there. And maybe you're tired. Like this, this is not where I intended my life to be. This is not what I pictured. This is not what I've wanted. And, and maybe that's where you are today. And I, I'm here to encourage you to do something different, to go from where you are to where God is calling you. And I really believe that. I believe that literally every day of our lives that the Lord is calling us to better places, to higher places, to deeper places, that, that the Lord is calling you. And this week I was, this isn't really our, our, the Bible verse that we're going to look at today, but I was reading just in my own time this week and I ran across this passage and I just knew that I had to share it with you today because I think it's a perfect picture of what happens when Jesus calls us to go from here to there. It's a passage in Mark chapter 10, and, and, and we, we read about a man that he's found himself in a tough situation. He wants the situation to be different, and he has an encounter with Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says this, and so they reached Jericho, and later as they left the town, a great crowd was following, and now it happened, here's the man in a tough situation, that a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road as Jesus was going by, and when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was near, he began to shout out, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him weren't very nice because they said back, they said, shut up. That's <laughs> literally what they're, they're annoyed. And so what did he do? It says he shouted even louder, son of mercy, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. Now verse 49, this is the verse I want you, I want to make sure you see it. I'm reading it in the Living Bible translation because I just loved how it said it here. It said, when Jesus heard him, he stopped there in the road and he said, tell him to come to me. 
It's this invitation. He stops. He says, tell the man, tell Bartimaeus to come to me. He calls him to himself. Can I just, can I just stop right here and say, this is the God that we serve? Isn't this good news? Like this is the God that we serve, that, that God notices you. This is what Pastor Tim talked about last week, right? He sees you in your cave, in your mistake, in your sin. He sees you there and, and, he, and he calls to you. He doesn't just pass by you. He doesn't ignore it. He sees you and he says, hey, come to me. This is the God that we serve. And so now the people who are saying to, to Bartimaeus, shut up, don't do that. Now Jesus, because he calls to him, they look at him and they say this. They say, you lucky fellow, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Isn't that cool? That's why I read that version because I was like, that is, I love how it's said. You, can I say that to you today? You lucky fellow or gal. How about that? You lucky gal. He is calling to you today. I believe that. I believe that today you might have thought it was a normal day and you got up and you picked out some clothes and you took a shower and you brushed your teeth and you ate a breakfast burrito or whatever. You made your coffee, right? And you just thought you were coming to church. Can I just tell you, you didn't just go to church today, but that Jesus is calling you today. He's calling you. He's calling you to a new place. He's calling you. He's saying, son, daughter, come out of the cave that you've been in. I don't want you to live there. I have something so much more in store for you. And I love what Barnabas did because verse 50 says, Barnabas yanked off his old coat and he flung it aside and he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And I'll just tell you that today, as we talk about these stories that we're going to talk about, we read and we allow the Holy Spirit to, to help us to understand God's word. Some of you, your response today needs to be exactly like Bartimaeus, is that you're going to need to throw off some old things. You're going to need to literally throw and go, this is not, I don't know where I got this, I don't know where I got this coat, right? I don't know where I got this behavior. I don't know why I started this habit. I don't know why I'm living this way, but I'm going to throw it off today and I'm going to pursue that life that Jesus has for me. And then verse 51 says that Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He says, I want to see, which is kind of obvious, but you know, he's blind. He says, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, it's done. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the blind man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. So let me just ask you this. Does anyone that's here today or watching online want that type of an encounter with Jesus today? Anyone? Isn't that awesome? That wasn't even our story. That was just, that was like free. That was just a, a little preview. So uh, we do something every week where right as we're starting to, to look into God's word, we just, we just pause and we pray. And uh, I just want to encourage you, uh, because I know for those of you that come every week, we do this every week, and, and I just don't want it to, to become old or, or common or, you know, it's just, that's just what we do, right? But like, this is, this is so purposeful because we believe that God's word is living and it's active, and every time that we open it, that he has a word, and while he has a word for us collectively, he has, I, let me just, he has a word for you personally today. I don't know exactly where you are. I don't know exactly what's going on. I don't know what, what habit, as we talk about new habits, that he's going to talk to you about today. But I'll just promise you, today will be a very different experience if you'll pause with me right now and you'll open your heart and you'll say, God, I'm listening. I'm ready. I want to hear what you have for me today. Would you pray that prayer with me today? It's quick. It takes like 20 seconds. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful for your presence today here in this place. And Lord, we're so thankful for your word. We, we, uh, we just pause to say, Lord, we want to hear from you today. Will you talk to us today? Help us today. Shape us today. 
make us better today. Bring us out of the cave today. Lord, talk to us individually all across this room. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we talk about new habits today, I want to go to a story that's found in the book of Daniel chapter 6. I'll give you some quick context before we get into it. Uh, It starts in 587 BC. Uh, A guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, that's a mouthful, so I'm going to call him Neb. Uh, Neb is the king, okay? And Neb has come to Jerusalem with an army. He's attacked Jerusalem. He burned their temple down. He took the people captive and he did everything in his power to humiliate the people of God. And there's a young man by the name of Daniel who is taken captive along with his buddies who who are the best and the brightest uh, of Jerusalem. Okay, And Neb recognized that they were really wise and they were talented. And so rather than killing them, he took them captive and he put some of his men with them to indoctrinate them them into their ways in hopes that one day they would actually become leaders for him, for Neb. And so Daniel is one of those guys. And one night, Neb has this really strange dream. Real quick, does anyone ever have strange dreams? Anyone? Strange dreams. Ava came to us yesterday. She said, "Uh, Mom, Dad, I had a dream that we were moving. Please tell me we're not moving. I said, we're not moving. You don't have to worry. She's like, okay, we're not moving. I don't know if you have strange Neb had a very strange dream. So what he did is he went to the smartest people that he knew. He went to his advisors, his counsel. He shared the dream with them. And he said, what does this dream mean? And all of them looked back at Neb. They said, we have no idea. We don't know what this dream means. So he goes looking and he finds Daniel. And Daniel because they have a gift that God enabled him. God gave him the ability to interpret Neb's dream. Daniel is the, is the mouthpiece of God. He shares with Neb the meaning of this dream. And it's such a powerful experience for Neb that he gives an offering, right? And then he declares, he says, Daniel, your God is the one true God. Can, can I just say that was a big deal? Like that moment was a big deal. Would you agree with me? That Neb's like, okay, I'm, ch- I'm changing the way that I think because of this experience, which by the way, that's what happens when men and women activate the gifts of God inside of them and allow the Holy Spirit to use you. When you step out in that moment, this is how the world responds is they see the supernatural power and they go, oh, wow, that is the one true God. I'm changing my life, right? That, that's what happens. And so this is a really big deal, okay? I mean, imagine in, in our nation, right? Right? If, if, if uh, President Biden had a dream and he couldn't understand it and God used someone right, to interpret that and he said, oh my goodness, my eyes have been opened. Right? Imagine in, in New Mexico, our governor has a dream and, and she can't interpret it and she calls Pastor Jason. I don't know, I don't know why she called me, but she calls me and she, she wouldn't call me pastor. But she's like, uh, Jason, I don't know my dream and the Lord downloaded to me. And I, and I shared that, and it shifted her heart. This is a, I'm just trying to help you. This is a big, big deal. And part of what I'm hoping to show you today is that God often does really big things through our really small things. Because as we talk about habits, habits seem so small, so inconsequential. 
I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, if you'll do the little things like they're big things, God will do the big things like they're little things. Isn't that like just a relief? Like, I don't have to do the big things, okay? The big things are up to God. If I'll do the little things, but I'll do them in a big way, like I'll prioritize them, right? I'll make them important. I'll stay committed to them. I do the little things like they're big things, then God does the big things like they're little things. And that's what we're gonna talk about today with habits, because habits just seem like they are so small. Like, like they just, they, do, do these things really even matter, so Daniel, I want to show you the little thing that David did that enabled God to do the big thing. So before the big thing, the big thing was when Neb had his dream interpreted and he said, he said, you're one, that's the one true God and I'm going to follow him. That when, when that, before that big thing happened, here's the backstory, is that Daniel had found favor with the king and this upset a lot of people, okay? And, and so what happened is the leaders, they, they didn't like Daniel. They were, they were frustrated because Daniel was, was being elevated. He had found favor. And so the leaders around King Neb, they were like, we got to do something about this Daniel kid. And so they started looking for ways to discredit him. The only problem is they couldn't find anything, all right? He lived uh, with character. He lived blameless. He, he, I mean, he was, he was someone, he didn't just profess with his mouth, mouth to serve the Lord. His life reflected that. He actually did what he said he was going to do. He followed Jesus. Daniel chapter 6 now, verse 5, it says, finally, these men, talking about the leaders around Neb, they said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. Watch this unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Can you imagine this? Like we can't find anything. So our only way is we're going to have to find something that he's doing in his service to the Lord. That's the only way that we're going to be able to get something on him. And so they came up with a plan. They presented it to Neb. Verse 7, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, governors, all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except you, your majesty, King Neb, shall be thrown, here's the punishment, they came up with, into the lion's den. And for some reason, King Neb agreed to this plan. He signed it into law. And what did Daniel do? Let me show you, because this is where we notice that, that his one, Daniel's one, very seemingly little but powerful, life-changing habit, Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, so he knew about it, he went to his home, he went upstairs to the room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, don't go past this verse too quickly, because again, it seems pretty small, but I want to show you here that, that, that we, we find out here this habit that Daniel had created in his life. Three times a day, he knelt on his knees in prayer. And we know that this is a habit for at least three reasons. We learn in this one verse that he did this three times a day. He did it every day, and he did it the same way over and over. That's literally a habit. <laughs> three times a day, he goes to his window facing Jerusalem. He opens the window, and he spends some time in prayer. That is Daniel's habit. According to Webster, he says a habit is a behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition that shows itself 
himself in regularity. That's Daniel. Three times a day before the edict, three times a day after the edict, three times a day he goes to his window, he gets on his knees, and he prays. That was his habit. And can I just tell you that in all the days leading up to this moment that we're reading about in Daniel 6, verse 10, I'll bet that that habit didn't seem very big to Daniel. I bet it didn't seem very powerful to Daniel. Just morning, noon, and night. He just went and he did what he had always done. He had a habit. He spent time with the Lord. We don't, we don't know a lot about this. We don't know if he spent 10 minutes or two hours. We, there's a lot that we don't know. What we do know is that Daniel had a habit of spending time with the Lord every single day. And if we're going we're gonna to keep reading, in Daniel's case, it appears at first, that this habit is actually going to put him in a tough spot because the leaders who are trying to capture him and, and catch him doing something wrong, they notice Daniel praying. They go to the king, and because of that, the, the king, his, his hands were tied. He, he signed it into law, and so they went and they got Daniel, and they threw him in to the lion's den. And Daniel spends the night there, and Neb's pretty upset about it because he's come to, to, to really like Daniel. And so, so he's up all night, and he's pacing, and he's, he's, he's worried, and, and the sun comes up, and Neb runs to see what has happened to Daniel. And verse 19 says, at the first light of dawn, the king got up, he hurried to the lion's den, and when he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom we serve continually, been able to rescue you? From the lions. Can you imagine the surprise when a voice came back to him? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel. He shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Isn't this a cool story? I love this. Daniel developed a habit that set him apart and gave him incredible authority. And influence. So I'll just come back to this idea. Don't underestimate what God can do through one small right habit. Don't underestimate that when you put the right habits in place, when you're doing the small things in a big way, that God can do the big things as if they are small as you are coming out of the cave. And I hope you are. I hope you're coming out of the cave. That is not where God wants you to live your life. As you're coming out of the cave, I want to encourage you today that the way out and the, especially the way to stay out is to develop some new habits. So today, I, I'm, I'm wanting, I'm hoping that the Lord would show you just one habit that would set you free and would keep you free. Now, I know for me, when I start thinking about habits, uh, I start quickly realizing that there's a lot of things that I could be doing differently. Does anyone else kind of see that? It's like, uh, it's not just one. It's like, I could do this, and I could do that, and I could do this, and I could do that. And suddenly, it feels a little bit overwhelming uh, to think about. So here, don't get overwhelmed today. I'm asking the Lord to show you one right habit that could quite literally change the course of your life. One habit that might transform your marriage. One habit that would change your finances. One habit that would change your physical health. One habit that would change your, your emotional health. I'm just, I'm just looking today for one right habit. And I've been praying this week, what could God do with just one right habit, like he did with Daniel. What could God do here in, in, in Albuquerque through harvest? What could God do through your 
family. Because here's the deal. Habits either hinder you or they help you, right? Good habits help you and bad habits hold you back. I'll show you one in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we see a, a verse that shows us some people who are actually giving up on a habit. I'm going to show it to you. Hebrews 10 verse 23 starts like this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward the love and good deeds. Watch this. Not giving up meeting together. In other words, not, um, not uh, stopping going to church, going to life group, to participating in your faith in a, in a group. Not giving up meeting together. Watch this. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day uh, approaching. The writer of Hebrews in this verse knows the power of habit and he's encouraging the church to create a habit of going to church, to going to life group, to doing life together. And not only that, but, but he calls out the ones who started watching online during COVID and stopped going to church. <laughs> I'm glad like 10 of you laughed. That was good. He's, he's saying, he, he's encouraging. He's saying, he's saying, you need the right habit in your life. He's saying, this is a good habit, this meeting together, this doing life together, pursuing Jesus. He said, don't give up that habit. And he literally points at people who have stopped, who have given up on this habit. And so my question to you today is just this, what one habit could change your life? Now, I want to talk for just a minute about how we create a habit because I think it's helpful. And, and through this series, we, we've tried really hard to, to balance the biblical perspectives with also the, the science that we have come to learn uh, about how we are made. Because I, I think it's important for us to understand what's happening in our brain. And I've tried to give you some book recommendations because there's just way too much uh, than we could cover in these few messages. So I'm going to give you three book recommendations. I know some of you have enjoyed uh, writing these down and, and checking these out. Um, there's a book called The Power to Change by uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle. Uh, there's a book that Mercy, our oldest daughter and I literally just finished this. It's written, uh, this book is written 30, it's 30 days at a time. It takes about 10 minutes. And so Mercy was home this summer. I gave her a copy and uh, I said, Mercy, if you'll read this book and highlight, take notes. And when you're done, let me know. We'll, I'll take you to lunch. We'll talk about it. And then I'm going to pay you $20 uh, to read this book. And I'm bribing my kids, all right, to try to, to help them to grow and to get better. So she was home for fall break. She said, Dad, I'm ready to go to lunch. I said, what do you mean? She said, I finished the book. I said, okay, let's go. So we went to Grassburger. We shared a meal. She flipping through it, telling me things she's learned. Uh, and, uh, and I paid her $20, and I was happy, happy to do that. So that book is by uh, Mark Batterson. It's called Do It for a Day. Uh, it's a really powerful book. And then I mentioned this one, but uh, Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear is another. That, in fact, that was my favorite read of last year was uh, Atomic Habits. And, and, and James Clear and many other experts have helped us to understand how our brains form habits. And, and most of them will break the habit cycle, or sometimes they call it the habit loop, into four steps. I'm just going to teach it to you real quickly. Uh, these are the four steps. 
cue, craving, response, and reward. Okay, cue, craving, response, and reward. This is how uh, science and, and experts have helped us to understand how our brains work. And I'll just walk you through it. First off, there's a cue. The cue triggers our brains that, that begins the behavior. It's, it's the tiniest bit of information, the cue, that, that helps us to, to predict that a reward is coming. In fact, uh, we're so well, wanting the reward that all of us, our brains are constantly scanning uh, our, our environments in search of a hint of a reward. And that cue is the first sign that a reward is coming. And what that cue does is it, is it leads to the second part, which is a, a craving. That, that's the second part of the habit loop. And the craving, listen, that, that's the motivational force behind a habit. You, that craving, you, you got to have something that's motivating you, that, that gets you up off the couch, that gets you out of bed, that gets you moving. And that's where the craving really kicks in. And, and by the way, uh, you don't crave the habit itself. You actually crave the change that it provides. In fact, I believe every craving is actually linked to a desire for change. And then, then the, that, re, that response, uh, uh, the craving leads to a response. And this is when we actually uh, create the habit. Your habit can be um, a thought, right? So maybe you think the same way in, 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 in situations that are similar, and that becomes a habit, right? You, you get a habit of thinking a certain way, or it can become, become a behavior. So so, so you actually respond by with the behavior. So you have the cue and the craving, and now you respond, and then finally that response now delivers the reward. And that's kind of the end goal that we're going after in a habit. The cue is about noticing the reward. The craving is about wanting the reward. The response is about getting the reward. And this is what's called that, 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 that habit loop, right? The, the cue triggers the craving, which motivates a response, which provides a reward, which satisfies the craving. And ultimately, all of that then is associated back with the cue. And so it just becomes this, this big cycle. I mean, this big, big circle that we just keep going around and around and around. And so every single one of us, we have hundreds and hundreds of these in our lives, these habit you know, uh, cycles. And some of them are, are little ones, some are big ones, some of them are healthy, some are unhealthy. And often, we don't even realize that it's happening. We've done it for so long that it's just have a cue and the craving and the response and the reward and we're just living life and we're just doing this. I'll give you a couple of examples, okay? Here, here's the first one. Uh, you'll probably relate. Uh, so the cue is that you wake up. Okay, so you wake up, your alarm goes off, you're, you're laying in bed, and your craving is that, that you want to be alert. Like you, you're, you're awake now, and you, you're like, I, I need to wake up, I want to be alert. And so the response is that you drink a cup of coffee. Do I have any coffee drinkers here in the room? All right, how many of you drink at least one cup of coffee today? All right, there we go. Okay, so you wake up, you want to be alert, and so your response is that I need my coffee. So you stumble into your kitchen and you make your first cup of coffee or your fifth cup of coffee or whatever it is, right? And you get your coffee and you start drinking that and it kicks in and you begin to feel alert. And now drinking coffee is associated with waking up, right? So my hardcore coffee drinkers, you can't go a day without your coffee. Am I right? That's right. Okay. This is what happens. 
At our board meeting yesterday, the waitress asked for uh, who wanted coffee, and, and people were ordering coffee, and, and Ben Medina said, I'm a, I started drinking coffee at 5 o'clock this morning, you lightweights, you know? This is how, this is how habit is formed, okay? I'll give you another example. Maybe you'll relate to this. You run into a problem at work. That's the, the cue. Uh, the craving is that, that you feel stuck and you want to relieve your frustration, okay? You're, you're, you're having a problem and, and you're frustrated and so you want to relieve that. And so a possible response is that you pick up your phone and you start scrolling through social media. In other words, you just want to distract your mind from the problem at work and you want to see pictures of what people are eating for lunch and where they're vacationing and how everyone's life is better than yours. And so you're just scrolling and all of a sudden you feel better, you feel relieved, you forgot about your problem at work, and now that becomes associated with getting stuck at work. And so every time you run into a problem at work and you get frustrated, you just reach for your phone, you just start scrolling, and now, are you following this? Some of you, I could tell, you're, by the way you're laughing, you're like, I, I know that habit cycle, right? This is how our brains are wired. So now that you know how habits are formed, I want to talk really quickly about how to create a good habit, okay? How to create a good habit. And we, 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 you could read this. We learn it from, from people much smarter than me. I'm gonna go really fast through the first four, and then I'm gonna add one that I think is super, super important, okay? Super important. So how do we create a good habit? When it comes to the cue, that's the first part of the habit, the habit loop. When it comes to the cue, if you're wanting to, to do something different, if you're wanting to go somewhere that God's called you, you don't wanna be stay stuck where you are, you're going to need to make it obvious, okay? Make your cues obvious. Cues are important to habit formation. Every habit begins with a cue. It's a trigger that kickstarts your brain and your body to move in a particular direction. Uh, I showed you a picture earlier of our dog Cooper, and I'm going to tell you a cue in Cooper's life, okay? Um, uh, one of my, my skills that I picked up during the COVID lockdown was I learned how to smoke ribs, okay? Uh, that, and it's become such a passion for me and I'm constantly tweaking my recipe and just trying to make it better. And Lisa's like, why are you changing it? It's already good. I'm like, because I want the best ribs that have ever been on the planet of earth, okay? So I'm working on it. And what I've noticed is that when I started smoking ribs, that I would always share a rib bone with Cooper, okay? And so now, as soon as he sees me getting the rib supplies out, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know if he smells something, I don't know if he sees the spice rack, I don't know, if, I don't know what it is, but as soon, I'm talking the moment that I began gathering the things in the kitchen for ribs, it, I could be making cream corn, Cooper does not come, okay? I could be making pota potato salad, Cooper does not come. I could definitely be making a salad, he runs out the the door. He's like, no, I have trained him well. I, I, but as soon as I start getting rib stuff, Cooper is by my side. Am I right, girls? I mean, he is ready. And I have to say to him, Coop, I'm sorry, buddy. These take like six hours, okay? Uh, it's going to take a while. And for six 
hours he follows me. He will not leave me. And, and when I finally pull them off and, and I've got a little space on the kitchen counter where I, I carve them and I put them and I get them ready and he is just sitting there and he, it's, it's a, he puts his ears back, you know, like he's the perfect dog. He's never done anything wrong and he's just looking at me and he will not pull his eyes off. Lisa could come by and try to, hey, Coop, come over here. No way, no way. He is focused. His cue is that I got stuff out for ribs and he knows his reward is if he stays by my side, he is getting a rib bone. Are you following me? Cues. You got to make it, you got to make it, uh, you got to make it obvious, right? Because if you want to change, if you want to change what you're doing, you start by changing the cue. I'll give you an example. Uh, for so many, uh, your desire might be to spend more time in God's word, Okay. And so the cue might be, instead of putting your Bible in a drawer where you can't see it, you set it out in a place that's obvious. So maybe you put it on your nightstand so it's the first thing you see and the last thing you see. And it's a cue, right? It's a cue. It's like, oh, my desire is to spend time in God's word. So I put it there because it's obvious because that's the thing that I want to do. So instead of hiding it where you just get to it, when you get to it, you make it obvious. You put it out there. Maybe, maybe you're going to focus coming out of this on something in your marriage or in your family. So your cue could be something as simple as uploading the right picture on your wallpaper, on your phone, or on your, your computer screen. I mean, I, 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 I almost always, have a picture of Lisa and I on my, my wallpaper because every time I open my phone, one, I like looking at her, but number two, it reminds me of what is the most important in my life. I don't put fish pictures on my wallpaper, right? I'll show those to you, but they're not going to be here. I just promise you. It's a cue for me to remind me of what's, so, so all, you, all I'm trying to help you with is that first step is something to make it obvious. Our middle daughter, I'll just give you one more example. Uh, Ava, she is a, a cue master. She doesn't know this, but I discovered this as I studied habit formation. She's a cue master. Um, Ava, at any given time, will have like 47 alarms set on her phone. It drives us crazy, just so y'all know, okay? She has an alarm for everything. I'm talking everything. Like, don't forget the balloons for school and call Pastor Madison and tell mom about, I mean, just so all morning long, her phone, bing, 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 bing. We're all like, Ava, stop. What she's doing though is, don't tell her I said this. She's in kids today. She's, it's really smart. She's setting some cues to remind her to do the things that she wants to do that are important to her, that are creating good habits. You following me? Make it obvious. Create a cue, make it obvious. When it comes to the craving, make it attractive. Make it attractive. The more attractive something seems to us, the more likely we are to, to want to repeat that behavior, uh, behavior regularly. So if you want to make a new habit, uh, you want to make it seem attractive. Because if it's attractive to you, you're more likely to keep doing it. Now, again, the craving isn't actually about the habit itself, but about the change that it produces, okay? So one of the ways I could illustrate this is that for most people, working out does not feel good. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I thought you would. The actual working out doesn't feel good, 
But the change that we're after, the way we feel after, the weight we lose after, the strength we gain after, the way, are you following me? The things we can do after, the way we can, can, can do the sport or the thing, all of that, that's what we're after. But in the moment, the actual habit doesn't actually feel good. Right? Eating healthy doesn't necessarily taste good in the moment. I've always wished that the Lord would have made vegetables taste like donuts, right? I would not have a problem eating my veggies if they tasted like, like can you imagine just like a, a veggie tray and all these donuts and brownies and cookies and ice cream? How, and it was all healthy for you. How good would that be, right? But it's, it's the change that we're after. It's the health that we're after. And so, so you've got to figure out a way as you're, as you're dealing with those cravings to make it attractive. You have to find a way to make it attractive. So when you see the cue, you will take the next step. And I'll just give you kind of a, a hack here, a, a secret. Okay, The, the secret, I believe, in, in, this, in this part of, of making the, the craving attractive is to join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. There's a power when you're around people who are pursuing the same thing. This is why in January, when everyone makes their New Year's resolution to get healthy, they join a gym. Because they know if they can get to the gym, they'll be around people who are all trying to do the same thing, and they'll feed off of that, and, they'll, and hopefully you have an accountability person that's going to meet you there. And, the, and so you know about that. And this, in my, in my opinion, friends, is one of the number one reasons to be part of a local church is that when you're part of a local church, now you're surrounded by people who are pursuing the same things, who are going the same direction. And I'm just telling you that the habits that will support pursuing God will be much easier and much more enjoyable and much more attractive when you're doing them with a family, when you're doing them with a tribe, when you found some people and you say, hey, we're going to study this together. We're going to pray together. We're going to check on each other. We're going to have fun together. Like that's what, that is one of the values of being part of a church, but I know you're already here and I'm just preaching in the choir, right? Number three, uh, when it comes to response, make it easy. Make it easy. Humans are relatively uh, simple creatures. We tend to follow the law of least effort. This says that we will take the option that's the easiest, the, the least resistant, and it will often require the least amount of work. So as you build new habits, you, you want to try to do some things that will make them easy. And then you can build, you can build on that. Uh, uh, another author, David Allen, who years ago wrote a book called Getting Things Done. He talked about the two-minute rule. He says, if you can do something in two minutes, do it now and get it off your list, right? He's saying, look, there's a lot of easy things that you can do. Just do it now and get it off your list. So maybe you're trying to create some new habits and maybe you want to start journaling, uh, but, but you're, you're, you're overwhelmed with, with you know, I, don't know, I don't have enough time and, and who has time to just sit and just journal. Like, I gotta, I gotta go do stuff, but, but you have this desire. And so here, here would be the easy response. Write one sentence. Like, just start there. Like, literally, write one sentence. Just, just start your habit with writing one sentence. I started uh, this a few months ago. I started a, grateful, a gratefulness journal, a thankful journal. And, uh, and I, I don't do it every day, 
but I do it enough days that, that it's just helping me. And it started out, I just, I just I like got it out and wrote like five, five things, you know, that I was thankful for. And the next time I wrote 10 things. And the next time I wrote 20 things. And I'm just, you just start. You just make it easy. I, like, I'm not committing to a lifetime of journaling. I'm committing to writing one sentence. Here's one. Maybe you want to run a marathon. Here would be an easy step. Start with buying running shoes and put them on your feet, okay? Just start right there. Next step, go for a walk, right? Next step, run a half a mile, right? I mean, you see what I'm saying? Just create some easy steps and you start this habit loop and you build on that. You want to save for retirement? Start saving $20 a month, right? Skip two trips to Starbucks and put that in retirement. Just start, start with some easy steps and build on that. Experts will teach something called habit stacking, which is just simply, you can fill in these blanks. I will do blank after I blank. And so you start stacking habits together. So like my dentist years ago told me that I needed to floss more. Has any dentist ever told you that? They probably tell all of us that, right? And my dentist was like, you need to floss more. And I hate flossing. And so I went and I bought some floss sticks because I knew I would do better with sticks than with regular floss. And I know my dentist is going to tell me that's not as good, but listen, baby steps. So I bought some floss sticks and I put them in my drawer where when I get my toothpaste, it's right there and it's my reminder. And so I just created this habit that when I brush my teeth at night, I floss as well. Like that was just, and I just, I just made that in my head. Like that's what I'm going to do. And so I've been flossing more. It's, it's, here's what I'm telling you. You just make it easy. You just make it easy. Now my dentist is happy and there we go. Here's my suggestion. Here's my suggestion if you want it. Here's a, here's, a, here's a habit you could put into your life. We will go to lunch with friends after we go to church on Sunday. That would be a good habit, right? Actually, it's two good habits. You're going to church, and you're choosing not to do life alone. You're like, I'm going to go to lunch with friends I'm, I'm, I'm after. Listen, don't skip church and then try to go, to go to lunch, okay? That's like going to balloon fiesta on Sunday, and they get grounded. That's what happens, okay? I've maintained for years. That's what happens. I'll go, to church, I'll go to church, then I'm going to go to lunch with my friends. Number four, make it rewarding. Make the reward rewarding. This seems like a no-brainer, but make sure the reward at the end of the habit cycle is exciting to you. Make sure it's satisfying. Uh, this is what makes, a, uh, makes it a habit and not just a one-off experience. If a behavior feels satisfying, we're more likely to repeat that action. So uh, one thing I'll add is that I think this step often requires us to stop and to realize how far we've come. The, the secret I would share with you in this is, especially when it comes uh, not so much with you know, flossing or, or eating right, but the spiritual habits that you're forming, I, I, I would suggest to you that one of the secrets is to rehearse the blessings of God in your life. I thought this morning, I was reading through, through my notes, and I remember a song, an old song that they used to sing in my grandparents' church when I was a kid, and I still remember it. They say, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And uh, I just am convinced that when you stop and you remember what God has done, he's often done more than you realized before you stopped because he's good and he loves you. And there's so much blessing. And when you start you start putting these habits together, you start moving down the road, and you look back and you rehearse the blessings of God. There's a reward in rehearsing the blessings of God, and it encourages you to continue to pursue those good habits. So those four, I didn't make up. Those four were made up by 
people much smarter than me that have studied habits for a really long time, but I thought it would help you. But I want to add a fifth one today. This is the last one, and then we're going to be done today. This is the last one. You have cue, craving, response, reward, and then I'll add number five, renewal. And the secret here is to make it transformational. Make it transformational. If you don't change your habits as you come out of the cave, your freedom will be short-lived and you'll go back to the life that you've been living and you'll get stuck. The good news is that it's not all up to you. We've talked today about some good tools that I believe will help you to, to, to create some good, good habits in your life. But the one that I really want you to have the most is this, this idea that if you'll allow him to, that God will transform you. In other words, you do your part and let God do his part. This comes out of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I could switch that for habit. Do not conform to the habits of this world. Patterns are habits. Habits are patterns. And Romans says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've enjoyed, I really, I, I kind of, last year I read Atomic Habits and it put me in a, I just started studying this and I, I really enjoyed uh, studying habit formation, learning how our brains are, I mean, God did that. He, he designed our brains in this way, and, and, and I love that. But I, I have to admit that if it's only the first four steps, cue, craving, response, reward, it puts a lot of pressure on you and I as we come out of the cave. It's like all the pressure's on us. Like, if I do the right habits, I'll stay out of the cave. But if I mess this up, I'm going back. And I'm just so thankful today that the good news is that if you'll do your part and let God do his part, God will transform you. And it takes the weight off of you. Like, yes, floss your teeth. Yes, go to the gym. Yes, join a life group. Yes, go to church. Yes, like all, those are all really, really good habits. But I want to remind you that God often does big things when we do the small things. Don't, don't underestimate what can happen as you employ one new, small, powerful, God-honoring habit. Decide today that you're not going to conform to the habits of this world, but you are going to allow the Spirit of God to transform you. Would you stand with me? I have one more passage, and then worship team is going to help us. There's a passage in Ephesians that really paints this picture. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 17, it says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. You had to have that context for what he's going to say next. And then he says this, that, however, is not the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him accordance, taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. He says, you were taught in, 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 according to your former habits, the way you used to live, the way you used to process, the way you used to do things. 
right? To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Y'all, this is my favorite part of the gospel is that you and I have the power to change. You don't have to stay stuck where you are. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter how many generations it goes back. You can be made new. I'm just telling you that today you can be made new. Today, you don't have to wait. Today, you can be made new. Today, you could break free. Today, you can come out of the cave. Today, you could be healed. Today, your life, your marriage, your relationships, your finances, your, your friends, your emotions, today, you can be transformed. You can be transformed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, this is the last one, says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. I don't know what habit you need to employ in your life that would help you take next steps as you come out of the cave. Don't get overwhelmed today. I'm not, I'm not looking for 20 habits. I'm looking for one. Would you, as the worship team comes and leads us in one final song, would you ask the Holy Spirit to show you one habit that could be transformational? What happens is you start doing your part And God adds the supernatural part to it. In a week or two weeks or a month or six months, you look back and I'm just telling you, your life will be completely different. The old has gone, the new has come. Would you do that during this last song? Worship team, come. Let's see what what the Holy Spirit points out in our lives today. Let's worship for just a minute. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.